0: high school slumber party ap is a cage club podcast network production for all things cage club and high school slumber party head over to cageclub.me that's cageclub.me
1: Welcome slumbers who take their studies a little bit more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez.
0: And I'm Isla Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films.
1: So Isla, I actually made a note in our outline because I wanted to ask you this question. High school, or really anything in your life, right? Like every time I type your name, those double A initials, were you always like picked first? You know, when they did the attendance? placed in the front of the room you know what I mean like because even if you go by first name you're at the beginning too
0: first name often at the beginning yes unless there's an an abby or an abigail in the room and then addington certainly so yes I would say often um when announcing group work I would be the first name as if they had started alphabetically to assign groups and then new school year or substitute Mm. I can tell by the pause Like, okay, I'm so-and-so, and and today we're going to be working on this. First, let me take attendance. And then they look, and then they panic, and then I raise my hand and say, I'm here. (laughs) Um, The other one, the one that was most, I don't know, sort of notable in my life was in, I may have mentioned this before, but in a pre-iPhone era, but particularly in a, um, Not even as much flip phone, but like, I'm thinking like Nokia with the keys on it kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And maybe even early iPhone for that matter. I got pocket dialed constantly. (laughs) Like you're saying, because between the Islinn or the Addington and how your phone categorized, I was often that first number in. And so there was one friend in grad school who I could always tell when he was walking home. Um, late, like from the bars late at night, because I would get pocket dials of walking and then a, a, a friend and, and sometimes more, but always a friend, their mom had my phone oh. number for a while. And so I would get, and I would start to sort of panic a little bit. Like, why is this person's mother calling me? And then like, oh no, they're not. It's a pocket dial. So <laughs> These days that has slowed down quite a bit, but even my dad, um, I remember a couple of times where it would be like very early in the morning and I would, I would panic, right? If your dad calls it, of course, 30 in the morning, but he was traveling for work, you know, puts his phone in a carry on bag and goes to the airport or whatever and, um, and pocket dials. So uh, yes, absolutely. I can tell when someone is trying to decipher my name by the look on their face. And I was often called first for things. (laughs)
1: i don't know it it had crossed my mind a couple times i'm like i'm gonna actually ask this time yeah you're right confirmed my suspicions so it's weird because the pocket dial still exists but it's definitely not as common because like phones are touchscreen and not like analog because i remember i used to do it and have it happen all the time because of just buttons being pressed yeah or
0: whoever you called most recently like it wasn't always the top of the alphabet you know I have found that my current issue with that is the iPhone, when I'm on like a work call and I'm walking because I'm trying to move my body in this pandemic, that it will accidentally mute. Like my hip or something in my pocket (laughs) will just graze that little circle. And so then suddenly like, hello, hello, are you there? And I've like gone on this whole. Like, someone has let me monologue, and then I realize, oh, it's because I'm muted.
2: Yeah,
1: that's always, I mean, it happens in podcasting, too, where you feel like, sometimes you feel like you make this great point, this great soapbox point, and it's like, oh, no one heard me. And he, it's hard to, it's hard to do it again, you know?
0: Right, yeah, look, this must really be resonating, they're thinking hard about it. <laughs> oh, no, they just can't hear us.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Well, Iceland today... Everyone's assignment, the slumber's assignment, good AP student's assignment was to watch 2020's Valley Girl. Now, this is not the original Valley Girl from the 80s. This is the, what was it? Jukebox musical? Remake? Yes. Uh. Yes.
0: Jukebox <laughs> musical re, re, reboot. Jukebox reboot. I'm not sure. But, I mean, good AP students will also know this, but it's so important to hit subscribe when you're listening to us or um, regardless of where you're listening, what your podcast launching point of preference is, please hit subscribe. And also, you know, if you want to give us a a five-star review, that'd be great too, but I'm I'm not going to tell you how to spend your whole life.
1: I will do it. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, class participation, huge part of your grade, some good participators these days, and I'll get into it in a little bit, but Uh, We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And before we chat, Valley Girl, the last episodes to come out for us on AP was our huge 2021 teen film movie review. Three-parter, triple feature, and of course there we provided spoiler-free reviews of 30-plus teen films... We watched a couple together, but it's true. Not bragging, but I did the leg a lot of the leg you work. You did, you
0: <laughs> did, you you were dedicated and absolutely. I learned so much and got excited about a number of um, movies that I wanted to watch and a couple even I wanted to watch again. So I, I had so much fun doing that. And you know, as a Bravo, big Bravo fan, I mean, if if a reunion has three episodes, Ooh. that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So happy that folks enjoyed listening to it.
1: And I was happy that you were there with me because the previous year, infamously on AP, because I talk about it a lot, I did it alone. It was fun to talk to another human being about these movies and get excited with someone else about a lot of them. And it seems like uh, a lot of the uh, listeners got excited for some stuff as well. But, Island, you had a... I think it was the last time we recorded, you mentioned something to me. I'm like, I don't know save it for the next eh. episode. By the way, it wasn't the only film, but there were some films that slipped through the cracks, we'll say, in the 2021 film. There are
0: always some snubs, some omissions, some accidents. And also, I mean, as I think we have all experienced in one way or another, time has lost a lot of meaning in the last couple of years. Very true. And so at first I wasn't sure, but I did ask, After we had recorded this, (laughs) the year in review, I asked about West Side Story because my understanding from the stage play is that they're kind of in high school or some of them are in high school. And I I wasn't sure if it how it might fit in. But yes, that was one that we did not cover on the year in review, um, but has been in in a number of conversations about movies in 2021.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely fits, you know. Like, so even if I had remembered West Side Story, is it streaming yet? I don't know. I don't think so, is it? Let's find out. Possible, we should know, right?
0: Yes, possible, I think um, potentially to purchase, but not not to rent, let's see. Uh, let's see, where can one watch? Uh, West Side Story has no release date.
1: Okay, so yes. yeah.
0: No, you're right, it's not available. Yes,
1: yeah, so from everything I see, it's theater only. I did see two films that we covered. Uh, that was the new Spider-Man film and Licorice Pizza in theaters. Did not catch West Side Story. And then when I started re-watching the films and then we started talking about it, there was a huge, at least near me and seems everywhere as well, it was a huge COVID surge, so I wasn't really in the mood to go to the theater anyway. So I doubt I would have been able to squeeze it in. Not forgiving myself, but that's likely. There's another film, though. That oh, tell me. someone had mentioned to me, and I didn't think about it because often these movies are neglected by myself a person without children, or I don't have any nephews, I have younger cousins, I suppose. But that new uh, Disney film Encanto are you familiar with it, or have you heard
0: about it at all? I have not yet watched it. I'm familiar because I'm um, again on this Instagram journey. But I feel like there's been a lot of talk, and like, I don't know if there's there's probably a cute word for this, but like what l- kind of lip sync moment mm. where, you know, they put other the speaker will, I don't whatever lip sync moments. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And I know a lot of folks um, with kids who have watched it, and it was, you know, has been part of their new year that way, but that it it involves teenagers, that's new to me or or high school or in some way.
1: Well, the lead character is a 15 year
2: old
0: oh
1: so it counts technically it's definitely again if we were gonna say who was movie made for it would it doesn't you know it doesn't have a teenager vibe in that sense but could theoretically it fit in in this world yes because again main character is 15 year old makes sense so again fun to have
0: an animated in there
1: for sure overlooked by me you know shame on me but because of that, I did not even bother to look at the age of that character because, I don't know. Right, not,
0: a, not in your high school slumber party radar.
1: Nope. so apologies for West Side Story and Encanto. Skipping them. And I'm sure there was some other indie stuff that went under the radar, but wanted to mention those two things. A couple other things um, in terms of feedback from 2021 teen film. A uh, lot of people, a lot of people messaged me I probably said this a million times in the episode, uh, and you backed me up that we are not horror people. True. A lot of a lot of horror people message, and we're like, "Oh, if you ever need a horror person or stuff like that," and it's like, dude,
0: "Absolutely, thank
1: you, thank you for your help." You know, we will
0: anything to get me <laughs> out of having to watch it. Sounds great. Also, <laughs> t- oh, there could be a substitute teacher for something. I'm fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. So a lot of response on that in particular. So listener Bunny Carlos, often commenter on high school slumber party stuff so thank you. He commented on our Instagram page regarding our horror film talk for our 2021 uh teen film review. He said the trick to watching horror movies is to turn the sound low and watch with subtitles. Jump scares aren't as effective when you don't have the blaring music.
0: Ooh that's a good that's a good point. And I think sometimes the timing too I mm. mean as a as an often reality competition program watcher you know sometimes the subtitle will say you know and the winner is brian before oh yeah. does. so um <laughs> just thinking about that slight disconnect you know if 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 it says ominous music or something like that could <laughs> absolutely take me out in a in a in a way that would be beneficial to me so thank you so much that was that was bunny carlos's suggestion
1: yeah so thanks thanks bunny that is interesting I might have to use that
2: yeah.
0: if you make me watch horror I will I will try that yeah
1: <laughs> and then the other uh, horror suggestion was from our good friend and uh, the Godfather of the cage club podcast network Joey Lewandowski so oh. I had said in the episode seance seemed all right to me uh, that that film seance that I thought it was good or okay, and I wasn't sure why people hated it, and I realized that I didn't love horror enough to know. So Joey actually wrote, after listening, his reasoning behind why he and so many others were disappointed with Seance, so figured I'd read it here. Partial ad lib. I I was so excited for Seance because the writer slash director, Simon Barrett, wrote You're Next and The Guest, which are two of my favorites, sorry, two of my favorite movies, and... The Guest is probably in my top ten. And atmospheric high school horror, etc., sounds awesome. Talking about seance there. Right. And I just thought there was nothing new or noteworthy in there. Again, talking about seance. I right. think if it weren't Simon Barrett, I'd be less critical of it. But my expectations were so high for it, and I felt like it disappointed. So I'm guessing that may be part of the letterbox response. Though my friend who loves those movies, and Simon, and his creative partner, Adam Wingard, the way I do, really loved it, so I'm not sure.
0: That's a thorough thorough Instagram conversation.
1: So I guess Joey, you know, I I can see where he's coming from. I had no idea who that director was, you know? So for me, it's just like, oh, cool, run-of-the-mill horror film. But I guess if you have high expectations, expecting it to be something that's awesome and it's just run-of-the-mill horror film, that can change how you perceive it. So good to know this is why... We have so many great friends who do watch these horror films just to give us a little pointers on it. So thank you. Keeping
0: us on track. (laughs) (laughs) So another fun addition to High School Slumber Party AP that came out of the 2021 Teen Film Review is a homework assignment for you, Brian.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And I did it. And this segment is called Study Abroad. And so... For the 2021 film review, there was a lot of movies that, like I said, 30 plus. Um, Originally, when I saw the list, there was like 70. Now, some of them just didn't qualify because they just weren't high school films. and yeah, You can be 19 in college and some people will put it in a teen film grouping, for example. But a lot of them, not that they didn't count, but I couldn't watch that many films in that short amount of time. So uh, a lot of them were international films films from abroad, and figured it would be a cool thing to kind of just take my time and watch those. Another big reason why it didn't really fit with my December watch of all the movies was because, as I mentioned on the 2021 rewatch episodes, I kind of watched these films in the background. Right. I'm editing, I might be working from home, and I drop in, take notes, it's there, but I'm not watching it like I would for an AP episode. You can't really do that with subtitled films.
0: Much (laughs) much more difficult, yeah.
1: (laughs) Especially, again, if you don't know the language. or You know, CODA was one that I had to pay attention to for obvious reasons in, in that way. This Study Abroad segment every week, or I hope so, every time we record, I'll try to watch one of these international films, kind of break it down like we did for the Teen Movie Review. And t- take you guys abroad because they do deserve attention, and I'm so excited to watch them because schooling is so different all around the world. Being a teenager, there's a lot of similarities, obviously, there's a lot of universality to that, but there's a lot of differences as well. So that's why I'm so excited about this segment High School Slumber Party AP, study abroad. <laughs> The only way to conquer fear is to just go through it. Believe. You've
2: got it. अब क्या बोलेगी घर पे? Hi. ये
0: oh, क्या
2: Oh my God, just like a skateboard. A skateboard? These kids can't be skating like that in the middle of the streets
0: doesn't matter where you go in the world. Everybody hates skateboards. Okay, so Brian, you already admitted you did your homework. Can you remind us, what was it that you watched?
1: I watched a film called Skater Girl. Took a trip to India, if you will. So this is a film that's available on Netflix. Netflix is is a distributor, so um, I don't think they're the producer. But it's a film they pushed a lot. It's a film I originally had on uh the list. I actually pressed play on it and when they were speaking Hindi, I was like, oh, I can just serve this save this for the abroad segment. It'd Be very cool.
0: There you go. Put it put it on a different syllabus if you will.
1: Yes. Uh it's it's very uh you know cold and dreary here in New York in January. So thought it would be nice to take a trip, right? So this film is directed by someone named Manjari Makanjani, uh Indian director it says co-produced in the United States and India. Uh, did a little deep dive on that. The The post-production was done in Los Angeles, but oh, okay. shot in India, on location. And Stats here, 88% by the critics, 81% by the audience. Good scores, 3.1 on Letterboxd. This film was really nice. It was a really cool film. Off the bat, I'll say the negatives were... Could be a little tropey at times. Okay. I don't want to say predictable, but a little bit in that respect. Definitely a heartwarming sort of story. Not that that's a negative thing always, you know. I heard some criticism that there was a little bit of that white savior complex that we can see Mm. in a lot of films. However, I really enjoyed seeing a place where schooling is so different than the United States. One of the main leads is... Young woman, teenager in India, rural India. And school is something that's, I don't want to say optional, but kind of. Like, Mm. you, you have to help in the home. You have to have a uniform. If you don't have a uniform, they kick you out of school kind of thing. Wow. There's pressure for her to get married. You know, she's a teenager. Don't often see that in American teen films. Right. And her kind of world has changed as a woman from London comes to their town. Her father was from that town, and he was adopted as a child to a British family. Her father has since passed, and she's returning kind of to this town. Really, I guess on a vacation, but more of like a vacation of self-discovery. Okay. Eventually, her American friend drops by to visit with a skateboard. <laughs> she buys skateboards for all the kids in the village. Oh, wow. And yeah, so it's, it's it's called Skater Girl because it's a skater film. And specifically the main character really picks it up and it's really about her journey, how she finds a lot of freedom through skateboarding. The friend of the person who visits from London is American. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up building, with some help, a skate park in this rural town. And, you know, fun stuff happens. Some not fun stuff happened. Interesting.
0: Happens. Okay.
1: It is pretty cool and heartwarming in that respect. There was some controversy behind the film I read as a couple people said that like the story was ripped off their own story. Oh, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't know enough about,
0: I mean, the... <laughs> always tough when that, that kind of thing happens because I want to assume sort of benefit of the doubt and that people aren't stealing things from each other, but that, somebody has tapped into an individual experience that has some universality to it or has something, you know, that's interesting to or uh, compelling to others. So I I hope that integrity was used all around. But that sounds really interesting.
1: Yeah, my gut tells me it's more that. It could have been as simple as seeing that because it's something that is true that like skateboarding has taken off a little bit in some rural parts of India. And it could be something along those lines it might not be about a specific person or a specific thing what was cool about the movie that i thought is that they actually filmed in this rural town in the exact state in india that they said they were in Oh, cool they actually built the skate park for the movie and just gave it to the kids in town and gave them skateboards oh fun so that was nice again i felt really my heart was warmed after yeah, after there it is. After, Sk- after skater girl um, again, is it the most unique story in the world? No for the story beats, but yes to me, because I didn't know how things went for you know in high school in India. So very happy with uh Skater Girl and the first little trip abroad. And that's an easy, easily accessible one. As I mentioned, it's on Netflix. If you watch similar movies as I do, which you probably do being a listener to this podcast, I'm sure it's come up on your like suggestions to watch on Netflix. So Definitely check it it out and let us know what you think. So um, who knows? Maybe we'll cover it here one day. But yeah, Skater Girl.
0: Awesome. Your first first study abroad with AP.
1: Love it, love it. Can't wait to watch more of these. We might as well get into this film, though. Very different story than Skater Girl. Takes place (laughs) in the Valley, in Los Angeles. It is, of course, as we mentioned, 2020's Valley Girl.
0: And so just as a reminder, folks, we... Did record the main discussion of this podcast uh, or this particular episode, pardon me, in 2021. And so we might, I am probably me, has said something dated or that referenced what was going on in the world. And so um, just please, uh, as as you find those errors, understand we taped it um, prior to the urine review sort of things and so um, taped it. Did you hear how I said that? Because I'm so old. We recorded it uh, (laughs) previously. So grains of salt and um, grace all around for that. We might mention things that are not exactly true currently.
1: Yeah, because we are good, good AP folks, and we did our stuff in advance. So We're thorough. Yes. (laughs) So let's roll the tape. So let's, let's get into 2020's Valley Girl. So, Aizen, where did you watch 2020's Valley Girl?
0: I found the 2020 version of Valley Girl on Hulu.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Because, yeah, I, so I saw it on Paramount+. Plus. Um, it's available on a bunch of other streaming services, whether it's free to the service or it's something you have to pony up a couple bucks for, but it is streaming. That's how it debuted. So since you watched it on Hulu, Island, why don't you read that description
0: for us? happy to so valley girl 2020 a valley girl and a punk rocker from the city defy their parents and friends to stay together
1: that's it wow
0: that's it (laughs) which okay fair i suppose but but i don't know this is where we need you know Tobin to come in and write a synopsis because it's his are always so much more interesting.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating too because also, like I said, I watched on Paramount Plus and I just happened to have it on the background and mine is different.
0: Oh, what does that one say?
1: But it's weird because it cuts off, so here goes. Creative free spirit Julie's world is turned upside down when she falls for Randy, a sunset strip punk rocker. Challenging everything Julie stands for, they're fledgling and it just stops there.
0: <laughs> Everything she stands for?
1: I don't know. And then it just stops at they're fledgling.
0: They're fledgling.
1: This must take it from something else, you know? I, I don't know. You would think that the movie companies, the Big Hollywood, if you will, you would think that they would like just send a good one out to all the streaming services and not have just some intern being like, hey, write a hundred of these in the next two totally. hours. Totally.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Because the other piece of it that I did not realize until i got to it on hulu although it's not in the description that it is a jukebox musical yeah i didn't know that when i agreed to watch it
1: (laughs) so i uh i knew that going in on my first watch but it is you're absolutely right like nowhere does it say musical like even in uh so this uh paramount plus description just says comedy arts entertainment and culture as its genres
0: funny at least he (laughs) would put it in you know gave it musicals and romance but that's was also interesting to me that neither of the synopses that we read included anything about this as a reimagining or reboot or how how would you describe it being a the teen movie expert here how would you describe its relationship to the 1983 Valley girl.
1: I don't know if it's official, but a retelling of that story, you know, but there's a lot of differences, a lot of similarities, obviously. Ah, That is so odd that they wouldn't say that, but I I have some uh, production notes that might clarify that.
0: I'm, I'm all ears for these production notes, because I think that there are a couple of important ways that Things that happened in the world got in the way of, of this movie.
1: Before, though, we get into those because they are complicated in a lot of ways. Island, had you seen the original Valley Girl? Are you familiar with the source material?
0: Yes, I have seen it. I would not say it's, it's is not one that for me is in a high ro- rotation for 80s movies, but I have seen it. I will be honest that when we first discussed it, I what I had in my head was girls just want to have fun.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: um, and so then I had to look at the poster of the original be like, Oh, right. No, it's that one. That's the one we're doing. But that's why I, I asked because it's not in high rotation for me. I have laid my eyes upon it, but not in a while, how sort of true to it, it was because it, it does seem like someone was like, Hey, we have this story that we could tell in a way that would make it fun or like less problematic in 2020 by including the flashback component and everyone loves rock of ages (laughs) you know what I mean like let's do that but with pop and punk and yet not really at all so we'll get there (laughs) but yeah there are there are some folks in this movie, and I read one sentence about, like, they s- originally wanted to do this in 2012, and then delay, 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 so I'm very interested in your production information.
1: Yeah, I mean, Valley Girl is something we've covered on here. Uh, we had a two-parter with my good friends Kate Hudson and Mike Manzi, uh, just because we talked for forever. <laughs> um, it was a really fun night, and uh, of course, this is the Cage Club Podcast Network, so it's a formative film. In the network, obviously. Absolutely. One of Nicolas Cage's earlier work. Very honored that episode because Deborah Foreman, who played the lead in the original Valley Girl, actually listened to the episodes and fact-checked us on everything, which honestly I appreciate and love.
0: That's Uh, amazing. (laughs) I love that.
1: She sent me a message and she was like, okay, this is what you got right, this is what you got wrong. And (laughs) it was pretty cool.
0: I love it.
1: Love when that happens. So if you are ever a... A star of any of the films we cover out there, and you have any bones to pick, please email. Or if you just enjoyed us, email.
0: With an asterisk, I am not interested in hearing from Logan Paul.
1: Okay, okay, well, yes.
0: <laughs> well,
1: that is fair. Actually, I, Logan Paul, I'm interested in hearing from you. Okay,
0: talk Talk to Brian. Brian will tell me all about it.
1: Because that would increase the listeners of this show.
0: Oh, valid point.
1: And I, would, I will take that bullet. <laughs> but... But if this was just all things considered normal, if Logan Paul just sees me in a hallway, I really don't care. But theoretically, if he puts me on blast or puts us on blast, I don't mind. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people would side with us anyway. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Logan Paul, we'll get to it. But uh, yeah, very formative for Nicolas Cage's career. So I originally had seen this in my 2020. Famous 2020 rewatch. I had incredibly low expectations. I thought it was going to be trash. I don't like remakes a lot. You know what I mean? However, I will say this. I kind of have a soft spot for maybe the less famous movies. The kind of... When I say second tier, I don't mean because of the quality. I just mean this is not The Breakfast Club. You know what I mean? Exactly.
0: Notoriety and like sort of cultural... Impact.
1: Yeah, I don't mind if they remake these kind of films for a new audience. Maybe that brings notoriety to the original source material. So this is not to me like remaking the Breakfast Club as a jukebox mu- musical. That would be sacrilegious, I think.
0: That'd be that'd be tough. I mean, I'll be honest. I would go. You're talking to someone who has, as Fair. I have said, been to the Bodyguard of the <laughs> musical. Um, I agree. Being you know less familiar with the first one but familiar with rewatching 80s things now and that. So just as a preview for my thoughts, there are a few things that I really respect where they went with it or how they told it. And yet kind of on the other side of things like how they did it, I also was very confusing in some places to me, like the choices that they made. Some of the choices I really respect, Other choices make no sense to me at all, and so I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Yeah, this is a wacky movie. There's like no.
0: Wacky is a great is a great word for it.
1: (laughs) There's no way around it. So on my first watch, call me pleasantly surprised, and I'm not saying that that this is a good movie or a movie I enjoyed or one of my favorite movies of 2020. But I just thought it was going to be unwatchable. Sure, I'm with you. I think they made a lot of creative and interesting choices that I was actually excited about. Yes. There's also so many things that are a logistical mess. I can't wait to get into them. Totally. We have been dancing around the production issue a bit. I guess that's a pun. I don't know There's dancing in the movie. but
0: um, We've been aerobicizing around it. Yes.
1: <laughs> this movie was put into production in 2017. Like you you said, Iceland. it had as its roots in 2012. It actually hit its correct 2020 date after a lot of previous reschedulings. But instead of the theatrical release... It got the video-on-demand release, like everything else, in May of 2020.
0: <laughs> all, this, all the 2020 summer hits.
1: This is something we've talked about a lot on like Slumber Party AP. This is something that's expected. It has the quality, too, and that not always a negative, but definitely has a quality of a straight-to-streaming thing rather than something you go to the theater to see. True. But let's talk about that original delay. It was delayed because of controversy uh, for that 2018 release, and it does surround your buddy... Logan Paul. So rude. (laughs) Which people like Logan Paul make me feel so removed from youth culture. Um, Him and his brother being these huge YouTube stars who I was vaguely familiar for, even when I watched this in 2020. Right. I was vaguely familiar with. Um, Now I'm more familiar with because they're both popular in boxing, which I don't watch, but I know like Jake Paul's boxing matches outdraw in money actual boxers who work their whole life to box
0: oh that bums (laughs) me out
1: and that's reality today right i mean and
0: i don't yeah i don't begrudge people turning i kind of do something small into a career like (laughs) you know i i would love to i don't know because i think i and again i am even much further removed from youth culture, I want to say there there's Vine in there somewhere. And, yeah, that's how they. And so got there's a start. very different between what is it, seven seconds, nine seconds, and like being an actor or having something to say on a um, platform, or I don't know. It's just, yeah. I think I think we are seeing how those things don't translate. And yet in the movie, all I needed from that character was Logan Paul. So (laughs) in terms of acting, I'm not, I'm, you know, it's, it was fine. I was annoyed when I saw him just because I'm annoyed by, like you're saying that kind of influencer culture, but like the part fit the, ridiculous human.
1: If Logan Paul would have played like the Randy character then this movie would have been just deplorable. That
0: would have been I would would have said no thanks. I think.
1: (laughs) I didn't remember he was actually in it from that first watch and then when I watched it I'm like oh that's right.
0: So there are others in this movie that I recognize and that I'm surprised even in a 2017 drop I'm surprised they're there and I don't know but my guess is that some of those folks, when all the Logan Paul stuff happened, were just like, oh shit, now I am forever on screen <laughs> tied to this hooliganry that's just absurd. But I'm thinking like Chloe Bennett is from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That started long before 2017. You know, Josie from Josie and the Pussycats from Riverdale and Katie Keene is in this movie. Like, there's, they're great people in it. I don't know. But were they, had they started in, 20, in 2017, 2018, I don't think it would have drawn those people and the influencer at the same time. You know what I'm trying to say? I think it was a unique moment where they all got there and now knowing what we know, I don't think we would have had the same cast.
1: Yes and no. Uh, this is a cast casting model. We will probably see a lot more of, we saw a little bit of, in, um work it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot. I'm really sorry, but I forgot. uh. The, one of the lead's names, but she was a big YouTube star. A lot of these actors who we know now from other things and who were had just been cast in things were very big in that, I don't know, we sound so old saying youth culture scene or something like that.
0: But I think influencer was not a job when I was a youth. <laughs> so like, I think that's that has become a thing, you know? Like reality star.
1: For sure, for sure. So some of the actors you named... Yeah, we as the the old people had seen them on mainstream TV, but but they had also large followings on social media platforms. Oh, uh, okay. And the younger people who they were there trying to attract to the audience would really be again in the eyes of big Hollywood and these filmmakers would really uh, be pulled in by this. And we still see that true today. Unfortunately, with Logan Paul, he guest stars on all this shit because he has such a following. And yeah. again, they didn't know he was going to be this toxic. So just for the record, if you're wondering, the particular controversy that happened at the time is that he uh, he uploaded a suicide on his YouTube channel, which is like, I was like, what, when I read that? Insane. It, it completely yeah, I, just I, yeah. nuts.
0: It's just too much. But so I guess what I've just heard you say... Translated through my brain, is that this is a from Justin to Kelly? Oh,
1: this, oh, this nice. is
0: we have young, talented. That is in quotes. I I do find many of the people in this movie talented, <laughs> so I I'm just being snarky. But young, talented, well known in some circles, people, and putting them in a movie because if people like to watch them in these other places, of course they'll watch them in a movie. Yes. Is there anything?
1: No, a hundred percent. That's that's a, like, From Justin to Kelly is a great, which is, of course, if you're not familiar with, like, uh, American Idol film, sort of.
0: I have watched independently for fun, not for a podcast,
1: (laughs) four times. Oh, my goodness. That's, like, a prototype for this. But you're totally right, like, getting people who are, young people who are hot at the moment, throwing them in something and trying to take advantage of that. However, the second layer to that, and this is completely an invention of our modern times today. Sure. Is... Since these people do have big social media followings, they will post about it. They will share it. They will be doing marketing for you. And that's the Absolutely. idea. Now, that backfires because Logan Paul makes the movie a little bit toxic. But we'll see other movies where maybe that doesn't backfire so much. It's definitely a strategy. I know sure. it from also you know having friends who are actors now or models now that they're expected to have these huge social media followings. They'll look at your Instagram and, oh, do you have a TikTok? Let me see your TikTok videos.
0: Right. Yeah. Who's, how often will you post for this?
1: Yeah, exactly. So this means something today in a weird way because the purest in in our hearts who just wants people to make a good film and cast the right people and all that, that is so different to like, hey, let me cast this guy because... Or, or this lady because she has, you know, all these followers and she'll TikTok right. about it. Like,
2: right. It, We've
0: got this property. We're not really sure what to do with it. Jukebox musicals are good. People are loving these fine TikTok folks. Like, <laughs> it's sort of that thing of like, I do have some good tasting, you know, fruit in my house. It doesn't mean the smoothie is going to be good every time.
1: Good call. Good, definitely good call with that. And who knows, like the evolution of film, like we might be going in that direction where Logan Paul was an Academy Award. I hope not, but like, oh my
0: god! I mean, we've seen Stranger Things happen, and so I, you know, I'm a little bit bummed that you put that in the universe. To be honest. <laughs> <Sorry>. But, <laughs> but I, I will move forward, assuming that if that happens, it it is because there has been a real a real shift in attitude.
1: The bottom line, though, with this movie, and this is answering a question early that we'll get to, they did not make this movie for you and me. If we happen to watch it great, if we happen to enjoy it great, they definitely made this movie for teens who are who are going to be attracted to the stars in it and to reintroduce them to these old hits because that's, yes. that's popular now,
0: too. And, and to their parents a little bit. You put Alicia Silverstone in something, and I just did a fresh watch of Clueless for The Contenders and so i was reminded what a moment that was Absolutely.
2: and so it's, it's a
0: little bit funny to me of course so we're taking something that was a moment in the early 80s we're adding ingredients from something that was a moment in the mid 90s and we are handing it to you in 2020 um i think is just again not just because all things taste good doesn't mean they'll taste good when you put them in the blender and I think they did some really interesting things that made it more compelling than I expected as well.
1: Part of the, again, the weird mixture that makes this film. That's for sure. We'll get into Alicia Silverstone. Do want to mention, though, the director, Rachel Lee Goldenberg. We'll probably talk about her again because she had two 2020 releases. This, but oh. again, was supposed to be released sooner. But also she's the director of Unpregnant, which is on our list.
0: So. Oh, that's great. I look forward to... Talking about that, I know that's that's on our, um, for, for the listeners, you can cut this out if you want, we have a must-do list and a, this would be easy to do list, and so Unpregnant is on our must-do list.
1: Yeah, yeah, we have sort of like...
0: We have a tiered system.
1: <laughs> it's like if if we live together and it was like, oh, are we going to cook the big meal and get all the, all the ingredients, or we're we just ordering out today, so... Exactly. <laughs> sometimes we want fast food, sometimes 100%. we want...
0: <laughs> I agree. Here. And honestly, that's how I, and I, I think, I'm sure I've said this on the contenders, if not here, that's how I consume culture, right? I'm a very, I won't say high, low person, but like middle, low person where <laughs> I, yes, I know what nourishes me. And that's like, maybe I'll watch the newsroom again or something. Right. <laughs> but I also love a donut from time to time. In fact, I bought myself a donut today. There you go. I was stressed out and I thought I deserve this donut. And so, yeah, I've watched the donut that is from Justin to several times, <laughs> so um, I'm I'm all in for having uh, multiple lists for multiple purposes and enjoying them kind of within that context.
1: And I'm so happy they kept uh, well for a lot of reasons, but that they have a women director here because Valley Girl directed by Martha Coolidge, and that's like again one of the few until the modern era. Of course, you mentioned Clueless, Amy Hackerling. We do get get a couple. And uh, the Slumber Party Massacre series, um, all directed by women. But it's very rare. So uh, glad that they kept up the Martha Coolidge legacy with Rachel Lee Goldenberg here. And clearly she's gone on to do uh, another teen film. So I'm glad she's still working because that's something we see as well, too, unfortunately. Other than that. I mean, I think we've talked about pretty much everything along the production lines, but do do want to get into this cast because it is wonky to the billionth degree. Yes. So in comparison to the original film, there are a lot of characters from that film. Most of them are named the same thing. A lot of them do the same things. And then mm-hmm. there's some just kind of, I would say most of the characters are from the original film, mm-hmm. but they're just, they're not carbon copies in the slightest. So just to clarify, there's scenes that take place in the 80s and there's scenes that take place today Present or whenever day, yeah. whenever today is. Um, and we can talk about that because it's very confusing. Um, so Jessica Roth plays the 80s version of our original character, Julia Richmond. Were you, were you familiar with her at all?
0: I wasn't. I was impressed with her in, in two ways. One, I thought she embodied what she needed to for this film in a great way of that like i can blend into the mall culture and what i kind of what i know but that spirit to branch out i i thought she just did lovely in that and i would absolutely believe that she could turn into Alicia silverstone today like i, I you know i think you know it's not the what is it like league of their own right where the <laughs> there's two Gina Davises and you're like holy crap is that the same person it's not that but also we don't all look like we did in high school um Very and true. so i thought that was a great matching for the flashback versus the the true story that takes place in the 80s it's sort of bookended i guess not really cuz the end,
2: it's a flashback um <laughs>
0: And so I, I was not familiar with her. I, I think I looked her up, her IMDb, while I was watching it. But there was not a lot that where I overlapped with her previously. Where there are other people that I'm like, oh, I know you, I know you, I know you. She was new to me. Has she been on High School Slumber Party before?
1: I don't believe she's been on High School Slumber Party before. But I think if you're a horror fan, which I know, on you're not, you mm-hmm. might be familiar with her in the Happy Death Day Happy series. Happy Death Day, yeah. I, I know that's uh, The Godfather, Joey Lewandowski, one of his favorite horror series going out today. So maybe from that, I'd seen her in that film. So that's really where I knew her from. She had a, a show on Amazon called Utopia that got canceled. Um, I think last year, other than that, really, I knew her from Happy Death Day. But you mentioned a high school slumber party hall of famer, Alicia Silverstone.
0: Alicia Silverstone.
1: Older Julie Richmond. I love her. I love, I love her. her too.
0: She is kicking ass in the mom category. She has been the mom in everything I've seen
1: recently.
0: <laughs> and not seen, but like walked through. I believe she's a mom in the Babysitter's Club Netflix show that's quite popular. I remember when she came on Suburgatory. I, I feel like she has embraced, embraced the mom role. And, and, and I don't know. This is because I'm a clueless fan from way back. I would like to think that she is pushing the boundaries of the mom role as well. But I... I just love seeing her again on screen.
1: Yeah, and you know a lot of the casting is that stunt casting of like, oh, people like us are going to be like, I love seeing her on screen. But you're right. Every time I see her in one of these roles, she knocks it out of the park. So I'm not complaining. So everything I'm going to say right now is not against the two actors in this in this role. It's about... And yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about this timeline. Okay.
0: Oh, I didn't do the math. I didn't do the movie math. Tell you, me about don't the movie math. Okay. you don't want to. Okay. don't want to. So even with, like, a 2018, it doesn't work for us?
1: Well, it, regardless of, of that date... It...
0: Oh, she would be 60, wouldn't she?
1: So let's see. Yeah. Okay, so you could say this is movie is ambiguously in the 80s. So that's from 1980 to 1989, obviously. However, when they're watching TV, and this is in the IMDb trivia, when they're watching TV, they comment that Sally Ride just wants yes. the space. A true Valley girl. Right. 1983 that happens yes which sets the movie in 1983 now look alicia silverstone is acting so it's not actually alicia silverstone gorgeous but theoretically if they were born the same year let's see i'll, I'll do the math quickly i did the math informally in my head but i'll do it now because i was wondering that right i'm like wait if, if she's a teen and clueless
0: right is she the, is she the <laughs> but i'm just thinking if she's a teen in 1983 is she the grandmother in 2021
1: If you do the math, she was born in 76. This movie comes out in 83. (laughs) Again, I know she's not that actual person.
0: But she wouldn't be born in 76.
1: But Alicia Silverstone was, is what I'm saying. Oh,
0: gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay.
1: So if you project actor age, which again, not the same character, she would would be seven years old uh, as a teenager, not 17. Gotcha. So, so we're more probably looking at someone in the range who's at least 10 years older.
0: Yeah. I was doing the other math of like, if she graduated high school in 1983, in 2020, would she have a high school student? Because that's almost 40 years. Should a movie like this involve
1: this much math? No. Yeah, probably not. Okay, let's move <laughs> but, No, but, but I, I do like it because... Yes, you're right. And but I didn't do the math in that sense because maybe, like you're saying, it does not take place in 2021.
0: That's true. I like how we did different math. And in both cases, it did not still doesn't make sense. Add up. That being said, yes, if we do ambiguous 80s and ambiguous aughts enough that there is a teenager with a cell phone. I, I like I liked that part, right? I liked, I think making it a, a flashback allows for a telling where you can say well we did say things like that or we did do things like that versus presenting it as you know this is the 80s or presenting it as this is you know it it sort of allows for discussion of maybe what's problematic or i liked the idea of the lens with which she's telling her daughter this is to tell her that sometimes it's important to take chances that making your own path it can be scary and and people might not like it, but, you know, being true to yourself is important. And first love is powerful and meaningful and also doesn't have to be a fairy tale and last forever, which are some of my critiques of things like, I know we, I feel like I slam it every episode, but like the last year, the final year, whatever that like we're all- The last this,
1: summer, the last summer. The
0: last summer <laughs> That to me was just, Eat and all these things that I don't like, and I don't think are helpful for young people. I feel like the framing of this story as a story from another era, told by someone who lived it, who had a particular experience, like, I don't know, it just, it focused it in a way where I could get on board, even knowing that some of the things that are going to happen or things people are going to say are going to be pretty problematic.
1: Yeah, uh, look, so that's my favorite aspect of this movie. So I, I'm like torn because and like a practical side of me is going like, what what is going on here? Like, that doesn't make sense. But performance side, you're right. They feel like true mother and daughter. It's being framed this way. Also, me as someone who's not into the musical as much as you, Island, when you're retelling a story like that, and things are turned up to eleven. It makes a little bit more sense than if we were just there watching. It's like, oh, very true. Because if we didn't have the flashback and I was watching the movie, I'm like, that's what you think happened in the '80s, okay? You know, like yeah. <laughs> again, that's just me and my literal-minded brain.
0: And it allows for the daughter to play that part of us saying, "Okay, are you close? Are you doing a close up on leg warmers?" You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. they do. Like it, it allows for the tongue in cheek to be there in a way that a straightforward telling often wouldn't. I'm trying to think I know that. So that those there were those two like Brady Bunch movies that came out in the late 90s, 90s, late 90s, right? That were meant to be satirical. And I think people had trouble with that. (laughs) You know, and so I I, this, this is a nice I don't want to say loophole because I don't, I don't think they're playing a trick on us. But I I, I do feel like it was thoughtful to say how can we use this story and use this music but do it in a way that's going to have any chance of resonating right now.
1: Hundred percent, great framing device. Do you want to go back to math quick? Because I did. Yes, want Yes, please. Let's do more I, math. I did want to point this out. So Jessica Roth was thirty-one when she shot this, and thirty-three I love when this. Thirty-year-old
0: teenagers are my favorite.
1: <laughs> but you have Elisa Silverstone, who's playing younger than probably the role. And the person who's playing her younger is playing older than her role. So I think they're like 10 or 11 years apart in real life. But you know what? Maybe that helped us see them as becoming the same person. Like we didn't see like a pimply awkward teen sure. become. So I don't know. I don't know if it's effective or not, but I, it, it didn't matter in the end. It's just I thought it was funny. I,
0: I certainly would have said 20s. And again, being familiar with the other friends in that some of young women knowing none of them were teenagers even with all that being said like wow like she's she's doing great if she's playing 17 at 31 like because i i i clocked it but i didn't clock it you know i clocked it i didn't evan hansen clock it
1: well that's another thing too by the way this has been coming up on so many of my recordings i'm sure i was recording i forgot with who but they were just like Oh, he was that age? Wow. I think that that Evan Hansen guy was the same age and didn't look. It was just like, oh, again, once again, poor Ben Platt.
0: (laughs) Poor Ben Platt. Good thing he's rich.
1: (laughs) True. (laughs) Josh Whitehouse. He played uh, Randy. Yeah. Did, Did you know him?
0: I didn't. What I knew was the London brothers, Jeremy and Jason London from the 90s, Party of Five some of the scary movies, eventually Celebrity Rehab for one of them. But um, he looked so much like a London brother oh, to me. Oh,
1: yeah, that's a good That, that
0: also helped me, not, not as much with the 80s, but with the, like, connecting it, making it nostalgic for me, which would be more of a 90s situation. I, I, thought, I thought he embodied the, I don't even want to say bad, bad boy, but, like, the bad boy image that he needed to for this role. I'm bummed. I think there are folks that probably have voices that I would have enjoyed more. So, that part I feel like was more of a stretch for me. Mm. But, like, look wise, I, I bought it for sure. How about you? Did he, was he a, enough of a hunk for you?
1: Oh, sh- sure. In that respect, I wasn't familiar with him. He's not Nicolas Cage in that sense, like, where he's going to, like, pull up, I mean, who knows? His career is ahead of him. So, I don't want to say that. But, I was ve- just, again, very happy that it was not the aforementioned Logan Paul. So, passable, serviceable, <laughs> whatever. Have to bring up, though, Mae Whitman, who I love. I
0: love Mae Whitman, and I uh, do not think they did her any favors in this movie.
1: Okay, so let's backtrack a little. How old do you think Randy is supposed to be in the movie?
0: 19 or 20.
1: Right, like, that, that's where I pegged him at. So, how old do we think uh may whitman's character jack is supposed to be
0: 19 or 20
1: right okay because i wasn't sure if like because problem is we know may whitman from so from for a while you know
0: and she's uh, been playing a teen for a while i
1: a long I mean, spoiler time spoiler
0: alert folks i am likely going to suggest perks somewhere along here because <laughs> seeing her in this in the 80s made me just immediately think of her in that, and that group of, like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously it's going to push that set of buttons for me. Of course. But yeah, so for for, for you, knowing Wayman, May, May Whitman, May Whitman being a part of high school slumber party, you know, culture, was the, was it the age part that stood out or kind of what mismatched them for you?
1: I couldn't get past again that, like, how long as has she been playing a teen? Also, and I looked this up too, and I think it was even in the trivia. She plays a mother of a teen on, what's her show? Good Girls?
0: Oh, Good Girls. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: she's, a, she's not, I guess she could be 20 in this, but still like close enough. And like it didn't bother me, but I, it took me out of the movie because I just kept saying like, good for you of still earning that teen paycheck. And getting
0: to sing. Like I was happy to see her sing. <laughs> I feel like she was underutilized. And I feel like, I am so curious how much- Influence she had on her character or not, because I feel like if she had styled her character, I would have bought it more. I feel like they were trying to show me, here's what we think like a punk '80s lesbian would look like.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And I and I'm not saying I I am not an expert. I'm not saying that was right or wrong, but I just I don't know. You, you know, may May Whitman, who has come out as pansexual, like I don't know if she, you know, identifies with. You know, as part of the LGBTQ community, I, I don't want to make assumptions that way, but I've, my hope is that she was able to influence, you know, things around her character. And based on what was portrayed and what we saw, I, I feel like maybe that didn't happen. But that's all me just making wild assumptions, so ignore me.
1: I feel like you, and to an extent myself, we just feel like we know Mae Whitman. You know what I mean? So yes, that's, what, thank that's where you. it's coming from. May
0: Whitman, please, please talk to us. Tell us. Tell <laughs> us, do you know us? Can we be friends? Oh my gosh, can we be friends? So I, love it.
1: I don't think we need to talk more about Logan Paul playing no, Mickey we've, here.
0: No, we've talked enough. But so the who, other female friends.
1: Yeah, who were the teens that you were super familiar with in the film?
0: So Chloe Bennett. I made a, a very sincere effort to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it came out, and I didn't make it very far. <laughs> so I know that she's. I mean, that was, that's big, right? That's Marvel. That's, you know, all the things. And so I was surprised to see her in this role. I think she played, well, again, I don't think this is a role that was very well thought out, right? Is she a best friend? Is she a villain? Is she boy crazy? Is she queer? Not that you can't be both, but it just, you know, it wasn't, I don't think it was a 3D character. And then Lauren, um, Ashley Murray, I know from the first two seasons of Riverdale, which is as far as I got.
1: That's where I knew her from as well.
0: Yeah. And she's so talented. And again, I think a little bit underutilized, but also thinking about thinking about the timeline for that, that makes a little more sense to me of like, you know, maybe Riverdale hadn't quite popped yet. So she she was more of one of the gaggle of girls friends. She got to sing a little bit. She got to dance a little bit. You know, it's a good day. And then Jesse Ennis playing Stacy. Um, she was very familiar to me as well.
1: Do you know what you recognize her from? Because I knew the other two, but I wasn't too familiar with Jesse Ennis.
0: Yeah, I mean, one just you know, her face was very familiar to me, but um, she was in The Disaster Artist. Oh, she was that's in the right. House, which is not a good movie, but has so many people that I love in it that I've seen it. And then that um, Melissa McCarthy Life of the Party. Yes, um, she was yes, also okay. in.
1: Good call. Yeah, and she plays. She was Stacey in, in this.
0: Love on Netflix. I would have seen her in.
1: Yeah, you're right. Because, again, familiar face. And I just, I really wasn't aware where I was familiar with her from. That's pretty cool. So, uh, just a little background, though, on the Friends. They're a very big part, if, if you recall, of the original movie. And mm-hmm. the actors, by the way, I love. But definitely in the original movie, they're playing that Valley girlness up to 11. Yes. So they could really feel one dimensional. But that's kind of their point in that movie you know mm-hmm. In the original valley girl it's definitely made as kind of a exploitation film in a sense of like oh this is a brand new thing valley girls this is what they look like so those girls kind of serve a purpose for some person watching in uh michigan you know who's sure. never been to california never seen a valley you're like oh my god that's what that's what the- <laughs> um f- i forgot her name but frank uh, zappa's daughter had a valley girl song at the time and that had popularized. Mm-hmm what they were, or this, like, strange phenomenon that you and I grew up with the idea of Valley Girls, but people, again, in 83... Like, totally. (laughs) Yes, exactly. They just didn't. So that movie, those characters, I feel like at least, play more of that role of introducing people to, like, what that, what the concept of a Valley Girl is. And even even a punk guy at the time is not too familiar to everyone in this country watching the movie. So...
0: And won't be after this movie.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But here, since we're already familiar with the Valley Girl thing, right?
0: Yeah. Uvra,
1: Uvra. I think they tried to pull the characters in different directions a little bit, and sometimes it was successful, and sometimes it wasn't, but they maybe couldn't escape that trope from the original film with their one-dimensionality, or... Sure. With like the Karen character and her just changing motivations, you could see they were cherry picking some stuff from the original movie and putting some stuff from our generation and it didn't just always mesh. Not Chloe Bennett's fault, but that's definitely yeah, one of the more uneven characters there. Just in terms of the rest of the cast, though. Uh, the
0: parents!
1: Love seeing Judy Greer always, so.
0: Judy Greer, amazing. Rob Hubel. I was impressed with so early on in the film, especially when like he and Judy were together. I could very much see Rob Hubel, and then like the Sally Ride scene. Honestly, was I think the most sincere Rob Hubel moment I think I have ever seen. Like, and I, I mean that as a sincere compliment, even in in a movie with the lowest of stakes, <laughs>
2: <if> <laughs> you will right.
0: Especially with the I mean, with the book ending, it kind of is right because. We know where Julie ends up, you know what I mean? So like how the stakes are not, are not that of a, I'm striking out on my own film. I was impressed with his, he acted through that mustache very well. (laughs) And especially for a comedian. Not, I mean, I don't think of him as an actor, number one. He has been in a number of things, but I think of him as a comedian first and and then an actor. So I I was a little bit impressed.
1: Yeah, he has this like ability to pull this out. You're right though, he's usually cast in like slapstick stuff. Uh, I do remember he was in The Descendants, the um George Clooney film. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And he he has like one or two lines that are like this. That that's Isn't what it Judy me.
0: Greer in that too?
1: Oh my god, you're right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe they're buddies. I read I oh. listened to her audiobook. I don't recall that, but I bet they are. I bet they've been around.
1: I would like that to be the case. Good call. I forgot about Judy Greber in that, too. The parents from the original film were one, actually, my favorite elements of the original film. Mm -hmm. They weren't played the same in this one, and that's totally fine. But the parents in the original film are hippies. They own a health food store.
0: Oh, right. Because that kind of goes against... She's a little... Like, a kind of reverse... Not a reverse, but a, a an Alex P. Keaton sort of.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I love when we see the Alex P. Keaton because it's just a reminder to me. Everyone thinks, not everyone, I should say, people in my bubble think that we just continually get progressive as society. And oh, the old person who doesn't believe in that. But we do have these societal switches where the parents are the more progressive. We'll use that word again Show once. Show
0: boy state to them. I think that <laughs> illusion call. will crumble.
1: Good call. And that's the yeah. The eighties was like that Reagan Alex P. Keaton generation where the kids were like the conservative ones and the parents were just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just always And laugh we at had that. some
0: Reagan, didn't we? I mean, in that party we saw the Reagans making out, and then I kept <laughs> seeing Nancy. Uh I don't know. Yeah. That was there were some several kind of nods to 80s culture that again mm-hmm. may have been in the original as sincere but they're they're kind of easter eggs or they're a little kind of bonus prizes for us in this particular universe because you know from the banter between Alicia silverstone and her daughter that she's asking like did you say tubular were you wearing leg warmers blah 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 but like likely in my mind Elise silverstone is retelling it amping up that stuff just to kind of egg her daughter on and so when we saw those things in the flashback i Attributed that to how the story was being told.
1: Yeah, I also saw it uh, similarly in like the daughter's eyes, right? Like how she was picturing it. Like, she, she, this is what she knows of the 80s. So, you know, right. everything which, looks again, like that.
0: makes it more clever than, I would say, than a sort of rock of ages, which is just like, let's put fringe and glitter on things <laughs> and, and then, you know, 80s hairbands and call it. A story like I don't know it, it added some depth and some nuance that I was not expecting
1: two other sets of characters I want to mention just like yeah. the cameos if we will Nicole Bayer as the DJ um at the yes, roller at rink. The
0: skate party
1: that was that cool. made me happy I like seeing her in anything Thomas Lennon plays the DJ at at the end again yes I like seeing always in good to see him uh, apparently that was a real DJ from Los Angeles that he was playing which was oh. interesting.
0: Hmm. Okay. I don't know.
1: I'm not from Los Angeles. Piece, 80s, so...
0: piece of history.
1: <laughs> uh, did you recognize the other DJ there? Or who pl- it was?
0: I, of... I. She looked familiar to me, but I couldn't quite place her at the moment. So that was one thing I, I wanted to ask you about.
1: I'm with you. I was like, oh, this sh- feels like someone I should know, but I couldn't even really find her in the credits. So that's why I ask. Uh, okay. So sorry if he, any listeners. know Hey, who this yeah. Is.
0: Exactly. If listeners know, let us let us know because. It looked like someone I should know, and I wasn't able to pull it out.
1: And there are at least three uh, cameos from the original film, which is nice to see. A little paying homage to that. Uh, Deborah Foreman, who I mentioned, a listener at least yes. at least twice of High School Slumber Party. She uh, plays the uh, woman at the mall. I shop
0: guess shop you, girl. She credited as, cred- as shop
1: girl, yes. <laughs>
0: I hope she listens to this too. I'd love to know her thoughts on on this version or this this the way that they retold this story.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear Deborah's point of view, just from being there and seeing this, Deborah Foreman. If you listen, please, please throw me a line once again. And
0: now that we're all friends,
1: yes, we are all friends. Um, Heidi Hollicker, who's in the original film as one of the friends, plays Mrs. H, one of the teachers, and. We get one of my favorites, E.G. Daly, as Mrs. Bowen, High Lumber Party Hall of Fame nominee at times. Uh, a lot of people recognize her as the voice of Tommy Pickles and Rugrats, but sure. uh, Pee-Wee's Great Adventure and all this cool shit. I love E.G. Daly. Uh, sings the theme to Better Off Dead, one of my favorite films. And uh, she plays the mom at one of the parties the who's giving alcohol to kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's and Randall Park. Oh, I forgot Randall Park. Yeah, he was in my original list of cool cameos of people who I would like to have seen more of in the film. Yes. Totally. He Agreed. is the principal. So did not want to forget Randall Park. Thank you for mentioning him. Anyone else I potentially forgot?
0: Oh, I, I know you didn't forget him. That was just one I was excited about. I think those were, we talked about Jay Greer. I mean, I don't know. I For me, like Mae Whitman is almost a cameo. It's bigger than that, but... She's just a legacy, so I don't know. This is the a Mae Whitman appreciation podcast.
1: (laughs) I guess I should mention the mayor of Los Angeles at the time, Eric Garcetti, is in the film, but I don't really care. I don't really like cameos of those natures, unless it's like a political cameos make sense in things like Parks and Recreation. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: Yes, but I don't think they age well in in an already like period piece. I don't know.
1: You just never know. Uh whatever. I never lived in LA. I don't know how Eric Garcetti's tenure was there. So sure. whatever. Let's talk though, the movie, favorite moments, just things you enjoyed and a lot of music here. So Island, the floor is yours.
0: Let us start with the music. I've got two things to say. <laughs> so again, <laughs> I think I've come in so far pretty um. As you had mentioned, the bar was somewhat low. I wasn't sure coming in if this was a pure reboot. I had seen the musical in there. So I was like, okay, jukebox musical, that's not what the other one is. So it is some sort of hybrid. And I have given praise for how how they framed it and how they could pull out some themes that sit better in 2022 than maybe some of the original themes. All that being said, the jukebox musical part for me did not work very well. Mm. I love a musical, I love people breaking into song, I enjoy listening to people singing. But for instance, early on, they, Lauren starts the dance to Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, but it's kicked off by a conversation where she and Karen are trying to get Julie to stay doing what they're supposed to do, to be valley girls, to be status quo. And in my understanding, Cyndi Lauper was not about being status quo and girls just want to have fun also was tongue in cheek and was not a reduction of femininity into we're just here to party. Like it was, it was meant to be part, you know, part of the revolution. So for them to use it in that way, or for that to kick off that song, a song I enjoyed, the choreography I enjoyed, like it was a cute dance number in a musical, but it didn't really fit. And then I feel like, I feel like what they did was take the titles of songs and put them in. But when you sing the whole song, the song is saying something very different than what the movie is telling us is happening, was my experience with it. That's number one. So you decide who I want to take me, Mike or Danny Danny has the body, but his brains are bad news. I mean, he's going to Cal State Northridge, like. We're going to Northridge. Yeah, but we're not gonna actually date the guys who go there. But I mean, you don't have to worry. You're set for life with, uh, Yeah, you guys
2: are so getting married. I'm so sure.
0: I mean, people are waiting now, you know? Some girls don't even get married until they're like 23 and stuff. If I'm not married by 23, I'll kill myself. But I'm not even sure what I want to do with my life. Yeah, (sighs) that's why you get married. (laughs) So you don't have to do anything. Yeah, like, once the divorce is final, my mom has to, like, get a job. Well, what does she like to do? Be married. Don't bring up your mom's divorce, Stacey. It makes me really sad. Sorry. Does anyone want a Diet Coke? <sighs> okay. Like no ice, Stacey. Okay. But what if you got a bitchin' job? You know, like designing clothes or Lauren dancing. <laughs> Why would you want to? To have a life, to, like, be independent. Ew, bummer. But it's the 1980s, guys. <sighs> girls can do anything. Oh, girls just want to have fun. I come
2: home in the morning.
0: number two is that i did not hear any punk <laughs> and 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 i am a person who has owned i would say in the early aughts more often do you remember the era when you might have to go to a hot topic or something like this but it was like a pop goes punk album
1: of course of course where you would
0: hear a, and one of my favorites is a uh, is it newfound glory that did everything I do, I do it for you in a punk way.
1: Ooh, I'll look that up.
0: That's something, something, if it's not them, it's something very similar. I have been a fan of that too, but this like- You
1: found glory, you were correct.
0: God, that's kind of scary how I had that <laughs> one. I think it's like either track three or track seven on an album I have. <laughs> so the I Stop the World, and Mount With You, as he, the song he wrote for her didn't make sense to me. He sings a different song in a punky way to her at one point when the band is performing that it is not the same as La La Land, <laughs> but <laughs> it gave me a little bit of that. Like, I'm going to teach you about jazz. This is a little bit like, <laughs> I'm going to write a punk song. Or like the punk was so much, at least for, for Jack and sticky, so much a part of what they were doing that I almost would have liked it better if what they were upset about was Randy going more mainstream or going more pop because of his time with the valley girls like that to me would have been an interesting shift and then that's kind of the career he went into but not he was punk he was a punk artist i did not hear punk i did not see a lot of punk you know i i felt like that was lacking i don't know it was all it was all 80s pop just kind of bad remixes <laughs> what are your thoughts
1: we'll work a little backwards so the melt with you part that was the hit track off the original valley girl album so i think they just wanted to make that stand out and they were actually thinking of calling the film melt with you which is kind of kind of goes to what you were saying why um
0: no i am I'm, I'm glad they kept it valley girl
1: yeah it's totally fine so I'm with you there. We definitely don't get a lot of punk here. I get why though. Like they're trying to, I don't, they're not clearly not going for accuracy in sure. these things. And I'm in agreement with you in a sense. They they had a difficult task at hand because normally the the good jukebox mu- musicals like like Mamma Mia, Moulin Rouge, things like that, right? Like moving out, moving out, right? They're taking these songs and they're writing the story around them. Or you can write like write original music for a story you already have, which off the top of my head I can't think of any, but there's tons like that, right? This is a story that they have that's, that's not original and not original music, and you're having to, for lack of a better word, but it's the word that's coming to mind, melt it together, right? Yeah. And it's not always working in that sense. Cool songs. A lot of these songs yeah. I love. Not necessarily these renditions, but a lot of these songs I love. Some of these songs are some of my favorite songs of all time.
0: Totally.
1: You know, and I love the original Valley Girl. But like you said, what is going on here with some of the the placements? Like, oh, it reminds me of like old sitcom strategy. And again, I love old sitcoms. But how the writer's room, at least what I've been told, used to work, right? The big chalkboard. Everyone put ideas for the season. Let's see how many we can get into this episode and figure it out. Oh, let's have Chandler and Rachel eat the cake off the ground today, you know, and that's fine.
0: Let's make Joey so dumb (laughs) that it's hard to understand how he has survived.
1: 30 minute format. We get it. That's like how that works. In this, it's a little bit odd because I, again, I felt like someone was in the room saying, Oh, we have to have, girls just want to have fun in this. We have to have take on me in this and let's
0: do it. I also blame Glee oh, um, or like Glee call. culture. So if we're thinking back to 2012, where I would say from, I did not watch the whole thing. So I can't, again, I started, I started it. Cause at first I was like singing high school, <laughs> love it. I'm here. Right. And that was also one where a title of a track. So like the headline of what the song was about or the, the line that's repeated over and over again, that made sense with the plot, but like what that song was about may or may not have anything to do with what's going on in the show, in the, in yeah, in the TV show. And so it felt similar, but like worse again, because like you're saying the format is different in a high school TV show where this is what folks tune in for every week is one thing. Creating a, a film that could stand alone is something very different.
1: Thank you for bringing up Glee. It didn't even cross my mind, but you're absolutely right. When you look at the timeline and just like... Especially at the concepting of this film. Glee is... I wasn't a big Glee fan, but Glee is clearly making it work because it was a huge hit. I think it's... You're right. It's easier in that 30-minute section. But I think eventually it even got difficult for Glee. Because I've heard later seasons of Glee are complete trash. Again, not my words, but that's what I've heard. Famously... What is that one that everyone always sends me and I always send other people? Kate Hudson
0: or Gwyneth Paltrow?
2: No,
1: it's... Oh, it's uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Let's have a key. I thought my
0: third one was going to say Sarah Jessica Parker.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Or
0: SJP. (laughs) It's hard because I think she's a nice person. (laughs) Just feel like it's off the rails.
1: Oh, man. Were there any songs or numbers here that really stood out to you that you liked or maybe disliked? You already mentioned Melt With You. I, I like that song and I get its inclusion. You're right. It doesn't exactly fit. It doesn't seem like that would be something he would write. Mm-hmm. What else really stuck out to you?
0: I, I did like, and I'm not recalling the song right this second. So Jack and Randy's relationship, um, that they're roommates, that they're bandmates. And and so there's a parallel between Julie and her friends And randy and his friends like none of the friends are happy about this relationship kind of thing and there's a moment where um randy and jack have a moment on the roof of the building that they live in or squat in or whatever Mm. and that they sing a duet i i really liked that because i felt like that you know i i'm trying to remember was the jack character like the jack character was not was not a woman in the original no I'm always looking out for friendship for friendship's sake because that's an experience I have had in my life several times that I feel like in representations, in movies, often in teen movies, that friendship is not respected and elevated in the way that like a romantic relationship is. So what would resonate with me is this duet that these best friends would have when they are having strife and conflict in their relationship so that one i really liked and because may whitman was singing and i love her and i love to watch her so i think that was a song that that i've remembered days later after watching it
1: i believe that was boys don't cry by the cure
0: yeah so again do i think that they did the cure justice <laughs> i don't necessarily but that was a more successful moment for me than some of the others did you have a favorite or least favorite song moment as a non-musical fan or not a fan of musicals
1: yeah sorry i'm just going through the list now Um, and just quickly just want to because i'm double checking this i think jack is a character that's completely made up for this film i don't see a jack listed i know he has friends
0: i thought so but i just i didn't want to step too far and, and be very very wrong I'm fine with being a little wrong I try not to be very wrong
1: I like a lot of these songs a lot I'm a big Bowie fan But did Under Pressure fit in this film?
0: Oh god When they started humming that I was like Oh that's tough y'all That's tough What you're doing
1: <laughs> um, The aerobics mix was interesting
0: I liked that little sort of mashup she just like dump Mickey's?
2: Don't worry Stacy's on it
0: Oh my god, Jules. Oof.
2: Are you okay? I am
0: amazing. Guys, I think I'm really into that guy, Brandy. He's like totally tripendicular. We don't date guys like that. know how to play tennis? No, but guys, it's just like the way he makes me feel. It's like. To the right. When I'm with you, baby, I go out of my head.
1: I thought they did a good job with it. It was just can't get enough material girl. I can't go for that. And tainted love all mixed together. Did it make sense what they were saying to each other? Not really, but, but as a mashup, I thought it worked and it was fun. Again,
0: a a concept I have from Glee. (laughs) It, It was probably a word before, but like that became a thing there. Yeah. Again, it's the title or headline of the song versus what the song is really saying. And so I think the faster, if anyone is listening and hasn't watched it yet, the faster you can let go of like what that song is actually saying or like what that song has meant to you and, and just take it on like face value. That's how they're employing the music here.
1: Yeah. It's almost, I mean, not for every song. Some songs do fit, but it's almost like you build to a moment. Here's the song. Just, just have fun and listen to the song then when we go back, because really...
0: Which is also fine.
1: Does any conflict get resolved during one of the songs? Not a lot, right? Cause was, in mu- yeah. yeah. In musicals, like traditional musicals, at least what I'm familiar with, you'll solve a whole argument or the plot will move forward, I should say, with the music. And I can't think of too many moments in this film where that happened. It was more like yeah oh you mentioned one line from the song let's sing certainly, the whole thing
0: yeah certainly <laughs> I would say harder to do in a jukebox musical fair absolutely and I would say barely even attempted in this version of a jukebox musical I I think you know if there's somebody in there who is a huge moving out fan or a huge other fan like I do think some of them are able to do that but yeah I don't even I don't even think they were working on toward that here I think they were Trying to
1: have fun, <laughs> which is well, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, moving out is a good example, though. Like Billy Joel, and I love Billy Joel. I
0: love Billy Joel music.
1: When I say that, I'm not talking about people. I mean, okay. I, <laughs> just see. oh, I don't know him personally, but he's writing from a certain perspective, and he's one person, right? Like "Mamma Mia," not one person, but there's a certain theme to these bands and singer songwriters that can resonate throughout. So you and I can. Now, I'm not going to say we can write a Billy Joel musical, but we can pick 20 songs off the Billy Joel catalog that weren't featured in right. Moving Out that probably still could fit together in something. Absolutely. And someone sure. more talented than us could carve a wonderful play out of it, too. Yeah,
0: or or American Idiot is another great example, a- I great think. Great
1: example, yeah. What they're doing here, again, is seemingly random 80s songs. And <laughs> they're just throwing them in an already established movie. So yeah. not the easiest for that. But at times... I'm bobbing my head and and, and enjoying totally. what's going on
0: on screen. And if you said to me, "Hey, Iceland, do you want to go to like a live play? It's an it's a pop '80s jukebox musical." Oh. I would say that sounds fun, <laughs> you know. And, and I don't think this is that, but I think this could be translated to that. You know, put take put even less into it and do that. And that's a respectable high school show to go to.
1: <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I like that a lot. How <sighs> far the music goes. Uh, any others stick out to you?
0: I don't have another music comment, but I have a styling comment. Oh, nice. So early on, I took a little note about, I think, I think we, you know, Randy has a really serious condition that we don't get into very much. And that is that he is allergic to sleeves. <laughs> and then as the flashback comes back and forth, and we see that this mother and daughter are talking on the couch, then they they're having snacks and treats, then they're having like tea or hot chocolate or something. And eventually Elisa Silverstone takes off her sweater. And wouldn't you know she is wearing a cutoff t-shirt? Now, is that meant to be Randy's? That would be a little weird to me as she insists that she's happy with all her choices, but it's also, to me, it's like when she says, you know, first love doesn't always last, but it always changes you. I feel like they dressed her in that to echo Randy's influence on her life. And so at that point I did slow clap for the sleeveless shirt that I had been (laughs) mocking on Randy in the whole thing. So again, I do think there are moments of like exceptional creativity that translated well for me, but as a whole, I don't, you know, I don't know that this is super successful for me.
1: Well, I didn't catch that with the sleeveless stuff, especially at the end there. And once again, in case we don't get to it, nail the ending in a sense. Because first I'm watching, I was sort of like, oh, and that's your... I thought they were totally going to say, and that's your father. And I was going to go, ugh.
0: Yes. Bar for
1: But the fact is, like, yeah, you know, we dated for a little bit, but I had my own thing.
0: Right. I went to New York. I defied expectations. I was empowered by taking my own path. I I had a great time. And that was part of what made me ready to then meet your father and get married and settle down. Like... I love that message.
1: Something that uh, I don't always love is just like the after credits, like what everyone did kind of thing.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, can anyone just have a normal, when I say normal, like, I don't know. I'm trying.
0: Like be in all of Janet Jackson's videos?
1: Yeah. Like, oh, really? All of Janet Jackson's videos? Everyone was successful at this high school except, you know, one person we don't like or whatever. It's just like, that puts pressure on me. I'm like, oh, no, what would mine say? You know? (laughs) <laughs> but other than that I-, I loved again how we ended here and that not to skip ahead to the ending we could talk about whatever no, i think
0: that's fine it was weird to me that it was all in a flashback but was not bookended so we have the last flashback when a lot of what we just discussed was said at least the silverstone says you know met your father i'm happy with my choices Blah 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 and then we end with them you know taking mickey's limo and you know driving all night or whatever and then we get that post credit that um for me it's a, a, that thing you do like here's what mm. all the band members did
2: yeah
0: i didn't hate it but I, I i was like wait is this it was just weird to me that it didn't bookend it like bookended and then coded
1: i think you could go back to that because you want to end like that peppy you know maybe limo scene whatever but I don't think it needed the where these people wound up. Because we know where the people we cared about wound up. They're in, they're sitting in that living room.
0: Yeah, really good point.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, unnecessary to me. Okay, let's see. The other thing I had in my notes is we get a prom here. Um, sure. You don't, you don't like films that end at prom. Well, not that you don't like films that end at prom. But it doesn't make logical sense usually.
0: Well, because so often the prom is portrayed as right before graduation. or Like things about the prom are built up in a way that I... I find unsettling and some of that was true here for sure like the importance of it and the expectation of it and that kind of thing
1: it is though I was thinking this it is 83 and I don't know what the high school to college application structure was like at the time so maybe there was a little bit less spread out as it is today again I, I don't know I was at a high school in 83 but we did run into the whole I don't know what I'm doing next year right. thing so who knows?
0: So maybe she didn't start art school or, or fashion school till January.
1: It's possible, yeah.
0: You know, maybe it's a second term.
1: Do that move. Properly. How
0: how possibly did they live? Like what paid the bills? <laughs> like a lot of things. Like that chapter, I would love to see. Like that would be interesting.
1: When uh, May Whitman's character is like, you're going to be sitting Nancy, not in a good way. It's like you might be. It's almost surprising that they lasted. To where they said they last said, oh, he got famous, we went on tour, like, oh, because I would imagine they moved to New York together, and they're like, whoa, I don't know, (laughs) this is going to work.
0: And different, different goals and different schedules for goals, like if she's trying to complete fashion school, and he's only working at night.
1: College much cheaper in 83, of course. Um, Her parents seem like they have good money. Maybe they're paying for school, which is fine, whatever. So I I see her surviving probably more than the punk band, but maybe they catch on right away. I don't know.
0: Mae Whitman alluded to a following that they had in California. Oh. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? We're
1: kind of working it out.
0: (laughs) We're we're doing our best. We're helping them out with it. But yeah.
1: General aesthetics of the film, the look of it. Were you satisfied with that?
0: yes again because i was viewing it through that lens of Alicia silverstone is telling this to her daughter who already thinks 80s stuff is corny so in that storytelling they were both kind of playing up the stereotypes and the corny and so when that appeared on screen it was in line with the framing that i understood if that makes sense that was way too many words for what i was trying to say and I, again, I'm not a punk expert, but I, I don't believe that, that punk was represented well here.
2: De-
1: definitely, definitely not. But maybe now that we can talk about this framing device, maybe the daughter uh, doesn't really know a lot of punk music. So she's just filling in the gaps.
0: Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, it's clearly at least the Silverstone didn't like right? Stay in that culture forever, right? She married someone else, and they're back in California. So, so it's also yeah. In that retelling, the music that Alicia Silverstone is going to point to is going to be from her background, not from his. Mm. So that allows me to give it a little more credit. But again, I do think that's one of the areas that that was wanting.
1: We have a MVP question. Usually, you know, like a, a who won the movie? Sure. Maybe the framing device won the movie, you know? <gasps> that's a really
0: good idea. That's a yes, that's a really good idea. I like that a lot.
1: Shall we move on to our questions?
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh yeah, I mean, Roller Rink was cool uh it's fine. Just seeing those stuff, yeah. I mean, a lot of it's visual here, so just listen and watch people. But
0: <laughs> Yeah, I would say it is if if you like pop music or you like 80s music or 80s pop music and like to see, I don't know how to say like cute stereotypes. Like, it, yeah, there were, there were some certain like Easter eggs and I don't know, gummy bears is what's coming to mind, but it's just like sugar and <laughs> right. This is not, what's going to fuel you, but, but you'll get a little bit of a sugar high from it. And certainly I think I was more delighted than I planned to be. And so if, yeah, if you need a little extra delight, check out Valley girl 2020, why not?
1: If you're a young person who wants to throw a cool 80s party, you know, you could take ideas from this film.
0: Yes, that's a great, that's a great thought.
1: <laughs> I don't mean this in a negative way, but a lot of it did look like, uh, like the, the Halloween store, what they would depict 80s man or 80s woman costume in a bag like, you know, not the quality of the costumes, but yes. like what the broad strokes of that costume would look
0: the like. The visual moments they were pointing out to us Yes, we're, I think, well choreographed, for sure. All right, awards and questions. Are you ready? I am. So, first of all, I think you've said this already, but because this is AP, we are thorough. Here for the record, who is this movie made for?
1: So, as we said, uh, mostly teens with a nod, a wink-wink to the parents watching with them, but I think definitely from the way they, they cast and just the broad strokes, teenagers.
0: Yeah, young folk, definitely. I agree. Is this based on YA?
1: It is not. It is it does have derivative source material, both things, music from the 80s and the original Valley Girl film, but not a YA novel as far as I know.
0: Do we have a dead teen or a dead parent?
1: I don't think so, right?
0: I don't think so either. And I was trying to think back to Valley Girl, but again, it's not a high rotation one for me. I don't know that there's any there either. Huh. So yeah. um, unusual for us, certainly on AP,
1: <laughs>
0: but it was nice to have some levity. There you go. Okay, most likely to succeed. Who won the movie? Are you going to go with your wild card answer of the framing device?
1: You know, normally you pick a person, but I, I think I have to. I mean, I think the framing device wipes most of the errors of the movie away because it makes sense. So whoever was, you know, putting this script together and suggested that idea, good for you, so.
0: Absolutely good for you. Did you have a different answer? I do, just for the sake of having a different answer. I, I agree with, I co-sign your answer 100%. And as I was thinking about it between watching the movie and recording the podcast, because I enjoyed Stacey, um, the Jesse Ennis friend, the one that was still like remained friends with Julie and was trying to patch things up and was a little bit um I don't know I didn't like the way Karen in particular but again we we've already talked about Karen's kind of inconsistent character but like she was pretty rude to Stacy and sort of we find out then Stacy is is going off to MIT or
1: Dartmouth I believe it's Dartmouth
0: like- pardon me to do computer science or you know that kind of stuff and then ends up in Silicon Valley. So I think you know as someone who I hope I've gotten better since high school. <laughs> I I like that shout out for someone, for that being the beginning of someone's journey, not the apex of their journey. Mm. And that they did what they had to do to get through it and then thrived afterward. And so for those reasons, I would say Stacy won the movie for me.
1: Stacy, yeah, that's a good call. Very misunderstood, I think. You know, she can come off as bad in certain scenes, but... As she says a couple of times, her parents are going through a divorce. Tough time for her.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's true, you know, there, there are times when I, I think it is common for us all to have times where maybe we followed the crowd or a crowd, despite knowing what was a better choice or what was right, right? She, you could see the conflict, I feel like, in her portrayal of it, of like, I want to support Julie. Julie is my friend but these social pressures and these expectations are so heavy on me. I just have to get through this oh, to yeah. then be able to be myself or to be able to make those better choices. And so that just resonated with me.
1: Yeah. And like when she's in the car and she's out with uh, Randy in the quote unquote punk scene, right? Like I can imagine that she would feel uncomfortable, right? Like she, those oh, are not boy. friends. It's, it's, she's it's a
0: suburb kid.
1: It's not her environment. It's,
0: She's in a costume.
1: <laughs> She's in a costume. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for shouting out, Stacey. Definitely a good call. I
0: like her. So how about the Wooderson Award? Is there a character you would like to have seen more of?
1: Um, Maybe some of these cameos, like uh, Randall Park or Nicole Byer. I, I think they served well, but two those two stuck out because I really like them. And I don't know, a little more lines here there. If you listen to, like, uh, Nicole Byer's how she's narrating the skate party. Skate party. She, she's saying some hilarious things. I feel like they just let her speak because.
0: Yeah. Just let her it, do it. It
1: sounded like that. How about you?
0: I think those are great answers. Um, what was I thinking as I was watching it? I mean, I probably was going to say again, Mae Whitman, just because I find her so talented and I feel like watchable is not always a compliment, but I, I want to say compelling on screen. And I, you know, would always want to see more of her. Um, But I like your answers better. You know, sometimes you get to an essay question and you're like, I know this is not the example they're going to show other teachers, but I'm going to be able to answer the question with my answer. I feel like that's the difference between our two answers there. (laughs) How about the long duck dong award? Any character whose omission would have made the film better.
1: Well, I'm really torn on the Logan Paul thing. Um Because he actually plays the character well because this is not a likable character and I feel like that's he that's who Logan Paul is in real life. Right. So
0: he's meant to be one dimensional.
1: Uh, let's say that's my official answer, but I did want to uh insert this bit of trivia. Um you'll see a name Peyton List on the Yeah. The uh credits or whatever. Her character was almost completely erased from the film for whatever reason. So someone Long Duck Dong awarded her uh, she has a song on the soundtrack. She sings Call Me by Blondie. She's supposed to be the head cheerleader in here. And she had apparently a, a small plot line and wound up on the cutting room floor. So
0: Just got cut. Huh.
1: <laughs> so uh, I feel bad for Peyton List. And um, there's actually, a, I looked this up, there's like a Reddit group online that... I don't think is active anymore. Probably was active a couple months ago that wants to release the Peyton cut because they're big fans of her and they don't know why (laughs) she was cut from the film. So thought that was interesting.
0: I mean, there's a hill to die on, I guess. (laughs) It was like, what? (laughs) I do, I should say, I shouldn't be so glib about it. I, I do feel bad. You know, I've listened to enough like podcasts of kind of up and coming comedians and actors and stuff. And it's heartbreaking when you've done the work. And you're excited about something and then your piece of it is not part of the final product so that that is a bummer
1: yeah i can't imagine like how bad that must feel and she's a she she was one of the younger actors in the movie which yeah. is me i don't know if they felt like they could take advantage of that which i hope not right but she's been in a ton of stuff like she or if you look at her imdb
0: yeah she looks super familiar
1: uh so yeah i don't know Maybe hmm. just justice for Peyton. Maybe that a reason. I don't know. <laughs> who, who was your choice for the long duck dong award?
0: Um, uh, that's that is, it was tough. I, I didn't have a clear answer. I mean, I think the easy the easy answer would be Logan Paul, but we, because, and here's why, because I think so much of this retelling of this story was able to shift things around and kind of be more creative i think there are more creative ways to show mm. that tension and i think the the tension with her female friends is more important than the i'm popular i have a popular boyfriend people are you know what i mean like i without the logan paul of it all there's still a lot of tension there like you're she's still breaking out of the mold that everyone expects her to stay in and that that causes tension enough. So while I started with that idea, because I was just like, Ugh, I don't want to see Logan Paul. I feel like I can make an argument for if I were writing it, here's why I wouldn't include like star football player, boyfriend or star tennis player, boyfriend. Um, because there's so much already there with the female friends that I would have just stuck stuck with that.
1: Good call. I like that. A well-articulated AP answer. That is.
0: Thank you so much.
1: That's the most likely to succeed of answers today.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, So this is extra credit assignment. If you could recommend a classic teen movie to a character in this movie, what would it be?
1: So this one is not a, (laughs) I wouldn't call it a classic but I couldn't help thinking of this film while watching this one. So I am going to recommend this film to Julie and all her friends because they seem like they like to sing and dance. Grease 2. with
0: Ooh, hot take. Uh- <laughs>
1: which I do not consider a classic, but it is such a silly, silly film. This is such a silly, silly film that I feel like Grease 2 is derivative of the original Grease. A lot of music, a lot of, a lot of fun. They would enjoy living in a similar world as Greece too. What about like you, Iceland?
0: I, I like it. I had one and it has left my brain suddenly because now I can think of it as Greece too. <laughs> um, my answer is not great, but I had thought that maybe Mae Whitman and Karen and their I would say their attraction is a little bit undefined, but. Maybe if they were going to go out together, maybe they could watch, but I'm a cheerleader.
1: Nice. Like it.
0: not to just say you're gay. So only (laughs) fair for you, but (laughs) thinking about this time and like what was out there, if I could transplant that back to them to just, you know, have, have something that maybe could resonate in different ways for both of them. I don't know. That's what I thought. Not a great answer, but is my answer.
1: Well, you had an MVP answer before this. So
0: <laughs> I know I was all out of out of juice. Okay. It is report card time. You gotta get your red pen. You gotta get your card stock report card out. For reference, Rotten Tomatoes. This got a 59% from the critics and an 82% from the audience. Okay.
1: Just a little background on that. Not a lot of audience graded the film, so
0: Oh, okay. It's a freshman or sophomore. 82, not a senior <laughs> year 82. And 26 out of five on Letterbox. that seems to track for me. We grade using the um, like traditional high school grading system from A plus to F. Brian, what letter grade would you give Valley Girl, the 2020 edition?
1: People who saw this movie before I saw this movie, again, told me it was trash. It is, by most standards I have, not a good film. But is it watchable? Absolutely. Did I enjoy some moments of it? And did I think it was creative? Absolutely. And I'll never fail anything with Alicia Silverstone. Well, maybe I have. But I I don't like to fail anything with Alicia Silverstone. She's in this bad movie called True Crime. Um, Oh,
0: that movie? That movie traumatized me? Oh, did it? I still think about someone forcing me to drink bleach. That movie traumatized me in such a visceral way we could go on for an hour i'm not going to but yes i hear that (laughs) and i'm a little upset that you even brought it up because now it's in my head again Uh,
1: apologies and
0: it was that was what you know there are so many moments of like oh i saw that too young but no big deal right i went to um remain uh, legends of the fall in the theater (laughs) (laughs) i shouldn't have right but that didn't traumatize me watching vhs copy that i think my brother and his friends had rented that i grabbed and watched behind everyone's back. I should not have done that. That that film was not <laughs> appropriate for the age that I watched it at. Anyway, <laughs> um, I apologize for that. Um, what grade would you give Valley Girl 2020?
1: So with all that being said, I wrote C+. I mean, I, I think it's, it's passable, and I don't think it's as bad as people said. Um, I think it's a fun film forgettable maybe but whatever it it was fun and it's a to me it's a shame that logan paul has to be logan paul and that this movie just basically got put on the back burner and then
0: yeah it's a it's shitty for everyone else yeah that honestly did more work in the film than he did i don't think he's even in any of the music
1: no you're right he's not
0: So it's, it sucks for those other people who are like, this could be my break. And then Logan Paul's hijinks led to it not being given a release in the same way. I just, that's shitty.
1: Absolutely. So my grade is C plus though, because I don't know, it wasn't bad enough for me to just be like, never watch again. I think it's worth. A watch if you're into this kind of thing and mm-hmm. maybe maybe one, one watch, that's it. But yeah, C plus. How about you, Island?
0: I um exactly agree with you on this. I have C plus written down and just the like valley girl parts with the the things I've talked about with the way I don't think they utilize the music very well, things like that. It was lower down, it was harder to watch. And the framing of it, the Lisa Silverstone of it really elevated it back up for me. And so, um, I can't quite put it in the B range again. I am a super nerd. And so I'm pretty strict with these things. I would give it, I would give it a C plus and that is meaningful from, from me, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm surprised. I, I was, I was thinking you'd be like C minus range, but
0: I know, but I just, I just think the framing of it was very clever and allowed them to have some of the fun that I had with them in the eighties part was exactly because of the framing. And without that, we wouldn't have held together very well for me. So all right, movie themed sleeping bags. We've got a lot of eighties. We also have some contemporary influences. How does that impact the sleeping bag you will bring to the Valley girl slumber party?
1: So I love the 80s colors and the look of just the stuff in the aerobics scene. I want, like, an uncomfortable, <laughs> like, lycra sleeping bag with, with just those aerobics colors. I wish I could pull off an aerobics outfit like that. I can't. It amazed me that there was such this sub-genre of fashion at that time that was like built for this and it's just so different than what, pe- what people wear now to work out. If someone <laughs> wore that at the gym. At
0: leisure. Yeah. <laughs> My God, that makes me want to so bad. Like <laughs> Do it. put on a, a very like high, you know, that like the high thigh, like the yeah. high cut breathing yeah, thing it's, with, yeah. with, but with pants under it and a belt. God, that makes me want to just walk into a gym like that so badly. <laughs> I love it. I also, of course, was influenced by fashion. I went a little bit differently, as I mentioned. I I really liked it, and I, I liked that the Julie character had this like artistic vision of her own. Um, that she didn't follow the band to follow the band. Like she she was also pursuing her dreams and her craft and her skill. And when she started to mix the feminine with the like punk influences, I really liked that. We hear at the end that her brand is something in lace, but like, which Mm. to me calls back to the costume in the eighties and all that. So I'm gonna go with that kind of stepping into punk that little bit eighties Madonna. So there's gonna be like some lace, but also some studs. And it's gonna be snappy, not zip. Like the hardware is gonna be important on this sleeping bag. It's probably gonna be a little bit heavy, honestly, but certainly maybe some contradictions, some black and white, maybe some black and pink, a little bit um, hard and soft.
1: I like it. That's cool. That's uh.
0: I don't know how comfortable to be, but. um,
1: It's the 80s. We're not going for comfort.
0: That's true. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And then we have our sleeping bags. We're going to have a sleepover. We're going to the last blockbuster in the universe where they have everything um, in a format we can watch. Rent two movies, get one free. We have chosen Valley girl. What two other movies would you pair with this for a thruple of a viewing at the slumber party okay
1: so neither of these are traditional musicals one is somewhat of a musical um but it's more just a music movie and one stars a musician with right. a killer soundtrack so and these are both 80s films so the first film i am choosing is purple rain
0: Ooh, yes also so. the
1: lace inspired me and kind absolutely. of absolutely like so goes without saying purple rain uh if I need to describe Purple Rain to you, I'm sorry. Just listen and watch it. Um, the other film, because there was a lot of Madonna in this and just Madonna looking costuming, right? Is the, the film Desperately Seeking Susan.
0: That's awesome. I had a different Madonna, but tell me more about Desperately Seeking Susan in this.
1: Oh, great. Great. I love it. So Desperately Seeking Susan from 1985. Just a lot. Again, of lace and a lot of batata. That's all. That's see. I, my picks are more fashion inspired. Than totally. Are, but there's also a music element as well. So absolutely m- music and fashion inspired. So there you go. Desperately Secret Susan, Purple Rain, and Valley Girl Twenty Twenty.
0: I like it. I think mine's maybe a little bit more basic, but because we were both, you know, I think taken with Alicia Silverstone in this. I'm going to suggest Clueless. I, I know it's um, kind of cliche at this point, but I did just rewatch it. I accidentally have the whole thing memorized. And the way in which this they have set this movie up to emphasize a particular aesthetic of the 80s, right? I think there are there are folks that that were young in the 80s that would say this does not, this is not tell my story, right? This is one 80s story. I think. Clueless was such a very particular 90s story um, that Lisa Silverstone was, was such a huge part of like the face of some of it. And just as there's this valley kind of versus punk versus, you know, city sort of thing. I remember conversations where there were pop culture commentators talking about how like Clueless sort of pulled the glam from the grunge that was what we were seeing in the early nineties. So it just made me think of it so much between Lisa Sutterstone and thinking about like quintessential or even stereotype eras of time, long story short, I said clueless. And then I said, Madonna's truth or dare, because I just feel like there nice. are multiple moments in this where Julie is her influence and her coming, like stepping out of the box is a, a pretty literal Madonna reference. And so I thought that would go nicely. So we could kind of go back and look. And it's not the same era that Truth or Dare is, but, but just again, the Madonna of it all. I had a I had an honorable mention. Um, I don't know how honorable it is. Oh no, this was honorable mention for what I would want them to watch. If I can go back. I had an honorable mention of having Julie watch Ladybird, but I know that we recommend Ladybird in different ways <laughs> often. So that was why it was my second pick, but um. But yeah, I would, for the, for us watching three, I would have this, Clueless, and True Dare.
1: Love it. These are some great picks. Seems like be a very fun evening, that's for sure. So that was our episode on Valley Girl. Lots of fun, lots of music. Alicia Silverstone, good stuff. You know, stuff we enjoyed, stuff we didn't enjoy.
0: Always a treat.
1: Yes. And, Isaac, I wanted to mention before uh, we got out of here, Tall Girl 2 dropping on us.
0: <sighs> Tall Girl 2.
1: Yeah, we had mentioned that Netflix had said they were working on something when we spoke way back when in September for the Tall Girl episode, and that was episode 242, where we spoke to your friend.
0: Yes, Dr. Jane Webb.
1: Dr. Jane Webb. And had a great time. We'll see when we get to Tall Girl 2. I I definitely want to watch it because I'm very curious where they're going with this story.
0: Oh my goodness. What are they going to do next is my question.
1: I am actually very surprised. Netflix loves to release a teen film on Valentine's Day weekend. Okay. Previously, they had done it with some two All the Boys films. I think one of the Uh, kissing booth films and this is their valentine's day weekend teen film tall girl (laughs) too
0: let's see how it goes yeah it worries me but we'll we'll check in about that as as it unfolds
1: (laughs) so iselin i feel like you haven't uh watched a previous high school slumber party uh ap qualifying film in a while
0: it's been a minute yeah
1: so figured i'd give you one of those not okay. sure which one i was just going to go down the list and see what you haven't seen that we've covered of something in the last couple of years okay um so let me look at this list quickly oh did you see never going back no oh okay so i covered that film with joey Lewandowski, the godfather himself a film he really enjoyed and it actually stars camilla Marone who we'll talk about soon, whenever this episode comes out, on Mickey and the Bear, so.
0: Okay, great, a little crossover, that sounds good.
1: So why don't you check out that film? No rush to watch it, but whenever you watch it, we'll talk about it and let me know what you think.
0: Never Going Back.
1: Never Going Back from 2018. Got it. Now, before you ask any questions possibly, or other uh, people out there who wanna catch up on Never Going Back, that episode was episode seventy, way back. Episode seventy, way back of High School Slumber Party, and they are technically high school dropouts in the film. You don't see any school. Still teenagers, still, you know, an important segment of the population. Absolutely. People who go to work instead of going to school, right? Uh, Iceland, anything you want to say before we get out of here?
0: Uh happy new year! I hope folks are um finding health and joy in the new year and yeah that's all
1: well thanks so much island of course check out contenders check out everything else you've done why aren't we all um and check out high school lumber party obviously <laughs> <laughs> Brian Rodriguez here One more thing for our slumbers If you want to know what your homework is We will be talking a film this Friday With our good friend Mike Manzi And return to the podcast It's been a while John Harden The both of them will be here To chat Hamlet 2 When Dana Marges didn't make it as an actor I'm having a
0: herpes outbreak But you never know it
2: He became passionate about teaching.
0: Theater has the power to transform the audience. And discovered...
1: I kicked this trash cat. He wasn't very good at that either.
2: I've been praying for more racial understanding, but I still get anxious around ethnics.
1: Just because they're Latinos doesn't make them gangbangers, got it?
2: We're just coming together
1: as a class.
0: Is he acting? No, he's
1: not that good at it. Mr. Marks, could I have a minute? The school board decided to cancel drama. We need to save drama. Put on a play and make it the best you've ever done. We're working on an original play.
2: What is your problem, man? It's done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hamlet 2? Doesn't everybody die at the end of the first one? I have a device. The time
1: machine opens, revealing Hamlet and... Jesus! Good luck. Thanks, Jesus. You got my cell number? Yeah. Okay. The musical accompaniment to our play will be provided by the Gay Men's Chorus of Tucson. Just a steel town girl on a Saturday night. Because of its unwholesome content, school cannot allow the exhibition of Hamlet, too. You can't stop art! You have Satan French kissing the President of the United States of America.
2: Cricket Feldstein, we have a First Amendment case in our hands. No one is shutting down this play. You have no ID, your badge isn't visible, and you accidentally grazed my boob when you tried to walk past me. Yeah! What's really going on here? Jesus
1: is sexy to you, which leads us on to the musical interlude, "Rock Me Sexy Jesus." Steve Coogan, Catherine Keener, David Arquette, and reintroducing Elizabeth Hume as Elizabeth Hume.
0: I'm actually a nurse now.
2: <laughs> oh my God! I'm freaking out.
1: Hamlet, two. It was dramatic. It was visual. It was stupid. It was stupid, but it was also theater. That's cool. Yes, Hamlet 2. I actually haven't seen this movie. I've been told it's hilarious, but one of Mike Mancy's favorite films, and it's a Hamlet-esque film, Shakespeare-related, so I had to bring on our Shakespeare expert, John Harden. Can't wait to chat to them, so that's your homework. Watch Hamlet 2 for Friday, and listen to the episode wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes.